This episode of the Adoption Connection podcast is sponsored by our upcoming 30 Days of Hope. Last April, we spent 30 days going through our devotional Faith, Hope, and Connection with a whole group of adoptive parents in our Facebook group. And it was so great. We just day by day had discussions about each of the devotionals for that day. We've had a lot of people ask us to do it again, and we thought, what better way to start the year than to do it together as a group? So we're going to start um, fresh into the new year on January 1st with day one of the devotional. So it'll be really easy to figure out what the rest of us are doing. The days of the devotional will correspond with the date in January. There's 30 devotionals. This is a compilation of 30 entries from 30 authors, all foster and adoptive parents. And it's going to offer you a window into their own lives and families. Yeah, you're going to recognize yourself time and time again in their words because they are walking the same road that so many of you are walking. And there's really so much wisdom that they share. And I just loved it. We had a wonderful time creating this devotional and reading it together as a group is just a really powerful experience. So you're going to want to grab your devotional if you don't have one already, or if you'd like a clean copy, because there are journaling pages built right into the devotional. So you can do that by heading to the show notes for this episode or just searching on Amazon. It's available both in paperback and on Kindle. Um, Just go to Amazon and search for Faith, Hope, and Connection. Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Good morning, Lisa. Welcome to episode 65 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. Good morning, Melissa. I am looking forward to this episode because we are going to be talking about the holidays and we're just coming off a holiday right now. You know, Thanksgiving was just last week and we're heading toward Christmas. We are. We are smack in the midst of all the crazy if your family is anything like my family. And this is a season where our our kids really struggle. And last year, we did kind of a crowdsourced holiday survival tips. So if you missed that or you're new to the Adoption Connection, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. But this year, we thought, you know what? We are all kind of in this space where we're recognizing and validating that this is hard. But sometimes it's really important to be intentional about remembering what is going well, what's good, what's joyful, what's heartwarming in the midst of a season that can be really, really chaotic and really overshadowed by some of all the kind of, I'll call it trauma drama that goes on in our families. Right. And, you know, it is powerful to focus on the positives because there are good things happening in our families, even in the midst of the hard. So I am excited to both share some of our thoughts and stories about Christmas. And we also have some contributions from our listeners. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So this isn't to say that we're minimizing the crazy that's going on in your house or that this, you know, kind of negates all of that, but it's kind of like a happy addition. So we started by asking our community, even just for some wins from this past Thanksgiving, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we wanted to share those with you now. 
Hi, my name is Sherry, and I left a comment regarding what um, our win was over Thanksgiving break, and here's what I wrote. We made a plan of things to do over the week-long break. We also wrote down basic rules that we would have for the week. We all signed it. I'd say it's a win because we had a great week of connection. I really appreciate Sherry's comment. What a great idea to come together as a family and create their own rules, or you might even want to create a plan of what you're going to do over the holidays and then have everybody sign it. Like it's very collaborative, which if your kids can do that, that's great. Of course, it does require you to have kids who can remember that you did this together and, you know, you'd probably want to post it on your refrigerator or something, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't guarantee anything, but we always have a better chance if we have really clear expectations. And this is a really good way to guarantee that the expectation has been set. All right. So next we're going to hear from Joanne. Hi, my name is Joanne and my kids were pretty mellow when we got to our Thanksgiving destination. They actually liked Thanksgiving food. This year we could travel, and I had a working stove and oven. Yay! I held it together pretty well and let quite a few things go, and also thought if it didn't meet my expectation or turn out the way I had hoped it was, I thought the phrase, so what? And I didn't engage in some of the things they did. They played very nicely with their cousins. There was no hitting, blood, or kicking, or throwing things, so... It was, on the whole, a pretty enjoyable day this year. Okay, I just want to say that this is so fun to listen to you guys and your stories and kind of hear what's going on in your families. We all get each other, and there are very few communities where the bar would be such that a win would be no blood, no hitting, (laughs) kicking, or throwing things. But we all get it, right? Like, that would be a win in our house, too. Yeah, we had a good chuckle over this one. But, you know, the great thing is that they had a good Thanksgiving. Like, they got through it. And I'm sure Joanne's a super experienced mom. We happen to know her because she's in our our village and our group. But I'm sure she did a lot of proactive things to help her kids stay that regulated. All right. So let's hear from Sonia next. Hi, my name is Sonia. And I'm writing about a fun holiday memory that was from this last weekend at Thanksgiving. I was just thinking about what the positive things are that happened. And my 16-year-old has a history of spending many moments away from home, shut down, and behaving out of her fear and insecurity. This holiday we spent at my in-laws, which I knew could be a challenge for her, and it was. But at 16, she learned so much. She's learning how to respond to her own feelings, how to cope, and besides that, I'm learning to give her space to work through it all. She spent much of the last day we were there in a corner of the living room in a blanket with her headphones on drawing, and I call that a win. She wasn't disrespectful, and while she wasn't as helpful to the grandparents as I would like her to be, and really not actually helpful at all, she didn't erupt. She didn't blow up, so I'm super thankful. I took a cute picture of the girls while we were on a walk in the grandparents. And looking back on it now, I'm so thankful for our time and for how both of us are growing. Have a good holiday, everybody. So you know what I love most about what Sonia said is that she can look back and reflect on how it used to be 
and see the progress that her daughter has made. And she can be thankful for how well her daughter did, even though I think she said something like, you know, that wouldn't necessarily be a win for other people, but for her daughter, it was a real win that she was able to stay calm. And even if she didn't engage the way that maybe Sonia would have liked her to. Yeah. I mean, how many neurotypical families, right, would be like, my teen huddled up in a corner and ignored everyone with a blanket. It was a total win, right? Like, these are things that only our community will get. So I'm really glad that you shared that because if that's your teen, um, maybe they're not huddled in a corner. Maybe they're hiding in the room or throughout the car or whatever. Um, just remember, it could be a whole lot worse. So I have learned also to give our teens space in social situations that honestly are really challenging for them. Right. I mean, you got, you need to, or we need to set the bar low enough for our kids to get over. And if it means they're going to have headphones on, that's what it means. And I think we can accept it. Next, we're going to hear from Shelby. So my name is Shelby. And uh, for Thanksgiving, we had three foster kids for the week for respite. We've had them a few times before. Our kids had a blast with them. Nerf gun fights, an evening at the pool, sledding, and my bio's first time playing Minecraft. These foster kids had never had green bean casserole, pumpkin pie, or cranberry sauce. We had 23 guests here, none of whom were family, which was such a relief, and there was so much less drama. It was fun and a memorable weekend. Okay, Shelby, first of all, you are a hero. Doing respite for three foster children over Thanksgiving, what a gift you gave their foster family. And I think it's remarkable because a lot of us would know that's a need, but would think, well, I have enough going on without adding three foster kids. And it sounds like you made that time so special, truly, truly special for these kids. I just, I'm kind of in awe of you and I think you're amazing. I echo everything Lisa just said. And in case you didn't catch that little bit at the end, she hosted, which also makes her a rock star, but she didn't host with her. It sounds like not her extended family. And so I know sometimes it's hard. Our stories have maybe interrupted some extended family relationships um, or impacted them in a negative way. And a lot of us are grieving over lost relationships for that. And so, you know, just know that there are, are other people in your shoes, um, maybe choosing to spend the holiday with other folks um, and not able to spend it with extended family. So you are not alone. Our final Thanksgiving story is from Glory. Every year, our family celebrates the day that we adopted our boys and brought them home. And it happened to fall on the day after Thanksgiving. So every year, the day after Thanksgiving, we would celebrate. Um, now, all my kids are homeschooled. We really didn't have television, watch videos, DVDs. So they didn't get a lot of input from the outside, like commercials and things like that. And every year, we would celebrate Adoption Day on Black Friday. Our boys just came to expect that. And as the kids started getting older, we um, got TV in our house. We started having commercials. Our boys, one of our boys came to me and said, wait a minute, I thought we celebrated Black Friday because we were black. I didn't know it was a shopping day. So all that time, they thought that people were calling Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, they were, were celebrating it because they were black. And it was Black Friday. <laughs> but actually, 
we were celebrating Adoption Day on Black Friday, but they thought that it was called Black Friday because they were black. <laughs> so, it took them a few years to figure out that Black Friday was actually a shopping day. <laughs> it is so funny to me the way kids interpret things, and I can completely see how our kids came up with that idea. I, uh, I wonder how old they are now and when they reflect back on that, if they think it's really funny too. Yeah, I, they're all in their teens now, so I'm sure it's probably something they all get a good, a good chuckle out of every year. So for those of you who are able to call in and share Thanksgiving memories with us, thank you so much. We really enjoyed listening to them and then being able to share them with the rest of our community. We have Christmas uh, memories that we want to save till the end. They might make you chuckle. But before that, we were going to share a little bit about what makes our Christmases kind of special for our families. Probably one of my favorite things is that we kick off the Christmas season immediately following Thanksgiving because I really enjoy Christmas, but when it's over, I'm done and I want it cleaned up and out of the house. So I'm not someone who wants to wait too long to get started on things like the tree. So usually on Saturday after Thanksgiving, we cut our tree and we live on eight acres. And there was a time before we adopted when we thought we might have a tree farm. After we brought our kids home, we realized, no, there was no room in our lives for having a tree farm, but we already had a lot of trees. So the good thing about that is that we cut our Christmas tree every year in our own pasture in our little tree farm. And it's a really fun tradition. And so we all go out together. We tromp out there. Now, of course, not everybody wants to come. And this year we had one who kind of lagged behind and didn't really participate too much, but that's okay. The rest of us had a good time and we went out and walked through all the trees and chose the perfect one and then cut it down and hauled it up to the house. And it's just a really, it's a, it's a happy thing for me. And I think in a way, one of the things, well, there are a lot of things about it that are great. One is I am a huge fan of traditions, but also being outdoors, you know, it's just therapeutic. It's good sensory input, even if it's really cold, it's a good thing. And so that's what we, that's one of my favorite, very beginning of Christmas traditions. And my tree is in my living room. Now I will say we've had so much sickness at our house that the tree is in there and Anna Rose and her friend put the lights on and only one of our kids has put ornaments on. So basically right now it has lights and a handful <laughs> of ornaments and that's it. But I'm okay with that too. We'll get the rest of the ornaments on eventually or not. You know, if we don't, we don't. I mean, a tree with white lights, it's just really pretty. So you could just stop there and it would be okay. We also are a live tree family and we only get a tree every other year because on the other years we're traveling and we travel for so long and so far that it doesn't, um, it's not worth all the hassle of having a live tree dying in your house while you're gone. But I remember this one year we went out to cut our tree. And so we have to plan this kind of pretty far in advance because we don't have a pasture in our backyard with trees. Um, and we also have my brother and sister come with us. It's kind of like a whole family thing. And so we put it on the calendar and, you know, there's so many school activities and things. We put it on the calendar pretty far in advance. And so one year we were scheduled to go get our tree and it had iced the night before. So we live in an area of the country where sometimes we get snow, but sometimes we get ice. And so we traipsed out. It wasn't actually precipitating when we were cutting our tree, but all the trees were covered in like a quarter inch of ice. So we cut down our tree and we had to bring it home and we only had like a day to decorate it. So um, my husband was out on the front porch with a hairdryer 
trying to melt all the ice <laughs> off the tree so we could bring it inside and decorate it because we didn't want it like melting all over the living room. So that's I one can of our... just picture that. <laughs> I know that because is, it's not enough really that you have funny. to like. It's not enough that you have to like level it out and get it in the tree stand. Like you know, that's like a whole thing. I don't know. Maybe there's a trick that we don't know about, but I feel like it's a thing every year to get the tree standing upright in the tree stand so it's not going to like lean or fall over or look weird all those things so like that's already a thing but then when you also have to like defrost your tree (laughs) (laughs) well we had a year when uh before we were cutting trees on our own property we had a permit I think we went up to Russ's parents property actually and cut a tree in the woods and so we let the kids also choose a tree and one of our kids, I think we dug up some of the little trees because we thought maybe we'd plant them and we put them in buckets or something. So, and then we let the kids, the boys had a little tree in their room, the girls had a little tree in their room and they decorated it. Well, one night, one of our kids started yelling and crying and we went running in there. The tree had an ant hill in it and little red ants had crawled out and were biting him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hashtag fail. Yeah, that. Yeah, that was not such an awesome uh, Christmas tree experience, but it's still kind of a, a funny story. I know. So, and these are all the stories why it gets harder and harder for me every year to put up a live tree. I I like the result, but I don't like the work. Speaking of ornaments, so Lisa, do you guys have any like ornament traditions? Like, do you, do you give kids ornaments annually, or does someone? We do. We give each of the kids an ornament every year. So everybody has their own boxes filled with ornaments. And after we get the lights on the tree, the kids all take their box and they decorate the tree with their own ornaments. And as you can imagine, my kids have a lot of ornaments now. So I don't really, now my mom had the same tradition. So I have boxes of my own ornaments, but I generally only put up just a couple because the kids ornaments fill the tree. But yeah, it's a really special tradition that we enjoy. I mean, Lisa, like if you count all your kids and all the years, it's like hundreds of ornaments. (laughs) Yes, except the big kids now all have their own boxes of ornaments that we have sent to their homes. So (laughs) we're only storing ornaments for the kids who aren't a little more established yet. And then the younger kids who live at home. We have the same tradition. I think a lot of families have that tradition. Um, We actually have a rule that the kids can only pick like five or six ornaments every year to put on the tree because otherwise it's like a thing. It's too much and it gets ugly really fast. But um, the first Christmas that our older kids from Ethiopia were home, decorating the Christmas tree was super triggering because our other kids had boxes of ornaments that were theirs that they got to put on the tree. And we had these three kids who hadn't had a Christmas with us who had like one token ornament from like that current year. My parents had taken them out ornament shopping. Um, And it was so triggering to one daughter in particular who always kind of has always felt left out and, you know, the world is always against her. And so she just thought that this was like the worst thing ever. And, you know, she felt like the kids were rubbing it in her face, even though they really weren't. I mean, it was just like a whole thing. So the next Christmas, I had this idea to backfill their ornament collections And our kids were 11, 13, and 14 when they came home. That's a lot of ornaments. So then I had the brilliant idea to involve our, like, our tribe. So I sent an email out 
and I made a sign-up genius for all the kids and all their years of Christmases that they hadn't been with us and invited our friends and family to contribute. I called it the ornament project. Um, and so I sent the email out like right after Thanksgiving um, and told people they could ship ornaments to our house and we stored them up for the kids um, and people like sponsored an ornament. And it was really cute. The people who sponsored like their first Christmases uh, like got them like baby's first Christmas ornaments. And um, we had everyone like date the ornament for the year that they had sponsored and put the kid's name on it and write a little note. So they have these ornament boxes now with the ornaments and a note from the person who bought it for them. And it was really special. And uh, the year we gave it to them, no one was like gushing and, you know, oozing their appreciation, but there was like this quiet um, appreciation. And I think now that they're a little bit more connected to us and a little bit older, they really appreciate that. And so that was kind of a fun year. Um, one of my better moments, cause I am not a gift giver in general. Um, and I generally can't think that creatively, but I think it was a God thing. I'm completely impressed with that. I mean, we had a similar thing happen where some of our kids were not happy that their siblings had all these ornaments and I didn't do anything nearly as clever, but I did go buy ornaments and wrap them. And then that next Christmas I gave them the box so that they each would have plenty of ornaments, but I did not go to the extent you did. And I'm very impressed, Melissa. I mean, take all that, all of that impressedness and just let it like ooze out for all the other years because I haven't done anything nearly that clever in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> you used up all your cleverness on that. Yeah, one. it's all done. Um, <laughs> Except you have a granddaughter this year, so you get to do all kinds of new traditions and new things. Oh gosh, at least I hadn't even thought about that. Now I have like all this pressure. I need a new, do I need a new tradition for the new grandbaby? <laughs> well, you know what? I already think about it, even though I don't have grandkids yet. Like I like systems. I don't like thinking and coming up with gifts. I'm going to, like, I have a friend who gives all of her grandkids Christmas pajamas and a book and that's it. You know, I'm going to need something like that because I mean, hopefully we're going to end up with a lot of grandchildren. And so I will definitely be coming up with a tradition when we get there for gifting. Oh man, now I'm going to have to get on it. Okay. So friends, we need your help. If you're in our Facebook community, I need you to jump in and suggest all the things I should be doing for my granddaughter's first Christmas this year. Yes. That's a great idea. There are so many fun Christmas stories we could share, but we want to hear from our final caller who called with a very heartwarming story that we're, we know you're all going to enjoy. Hi, this is Lisa. So the first Christmas that our daughter came home, she had just turned nine years old, and we went to um, cut down our own Christmas tree, the Christmas tree farm, and she was mesmerized by all these trees that were still, you know, growing. They still had roots in the earth and everything, and she took finding our trees very, very seriously. When we finally settled on the one that we were going to get, she very seriously said she needed to sing it a song and so she started to sing jingle bells to our Christmas tree while doing all sorts of interesting fun things with the with the um the needles the fur needles so um but it was probably the most adorable thing um I'd ever experienced at Christmas time we'd never we hadn't had any kids before and so seeing this precious daughter of ours singing to a Christmas tree was enchanting. Another Christmas tree memory. I, that is so sweet. I just, I can like imagine it in my head, envision this little girl 
singing to this Christmas tree that maybe she was like kind of sad it was going to get cut down. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, but it is a really, really sweet thing. And what a great memory to have to hold with you, even in the hard moments, this very precious moment with her daughter. So again, thank you all for sharing a piece of your lives with us here at the Adoption Connection and with the rest of our community. We really appreciate it. Uh, It's helpful to bring in all those extra voices to just reinforce that we are in fact not alone. Don't forget to join us for 30 Days of Hope starting January 1st. Be sure to grab your book from Amazon and request to join the Facebook group. We will have links to the book and to the group in the show notes. You can find the show notes at theadoptionconnection.com slash 65. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.